here today with Dr. Erica Reinecke, who's an assistant professor of emergency and critical care at the University of Pennsylvania School of Veterinary Medicine, and she works in the emergency services. Dr. Reinecke, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. So I recently saw a publication that you did in the Journal of Veterinary Emergency Critical Care in uh, the end of November 2015 called Prediction of Systolic Blood Pressure Using Peripheral Pulse Palpation in Cats. And as soon as I saw this, I loved the idea behind it because I always preach a lot of general practitioners don't even have a blood pressure machine in their clinic. So really important data that you did in your study. So I was just wondering if you could tell us why you decided to do this study, what you found, and how we can clinically apply this to real-life veterinary medicine. So we did the study because as an emergency clinician, we're always thinking about how can we identify shock in our patients. And Generally, we also teach, as you do, that you know the physical exam is a really good tool to identify perfusion abnormalities. So looking at capillary refill time, heart rate, and peripheral pulses are going to be some of the key things we do on triage to identify if there's abnormalities in tissue perfusion or shock, and if they're present, recognizing them quickly so we can intervene with therapeutics. And anecdotally, you know, I was taught when I was a student, I don't know if you were Justine, that if, you know, you can't feel pedal pulses, then that means that the dog or cat systolic blood pressure is less than 90. I've seen that written. That's the one that's cited in a textbook. I've also heard less than 60. So us as clinicians, when we're teaching, we try to correlate pulse palpation with a systolic blood pressure measurement. And anecdotally, we have these statements that they do correlate, but nobody's ever investigated whether physical exam can predict systolic blood pressure. So that was one of the goals of the study, or the main goal was to evaluate maybe how good we are at palpating the pulses and whether it does provide predictive information about blood pressure. So like you said, especially with clinicians who don't have access to a blood pressure measurement, maybe we can feel more comfortable relying on our physical examination skills if we can find that it's useful. So I saw that you guys ended up looking at cats. And before we begin, gosh, cats are so hard to even feel metatarsal pulses in to begin with unless you shave. So in this study, did you guys actually shave the area or how did you correct for like students versus a resident versus a criticalist being able to palpate? Was there any variability? That's a good question. So the answer to the first part of your question, no, we did not shave for the pedal pulse or the dorsal metatarsal pulse. And then really house officers, either interns, residents, or faculty were all involved in collecting the data. The majority of the cats were enrolled by house officers, which were mostly emergency and critical care residents. And a few interns, I'd have to go back and look at the chart, how many everybody enrolled. I think that was in my results of the paper, but we didn't assess for, I guess, experience which would have been interesting. You know, with larger numbers of cats, I think we could have maybe separated out, you know, younger doctors from more experienced criticalists to see if there was a difference in how the pulse correlated with blood pressure, but we just lumped them all together. 
Okay, great. I can say as a criticalist, I, I'm not good at feeling dorsal metatarsals on cats. So if you're out there listening to this podcast, don't feel badly. Okay. All right. Well, honestly, and, and, and just to just to answer that, I, I sometimes think femoral pulses are more challenging and really obese cats. So the pedal pulse is there. And I always recommend feeling both a pedal or dorsal metatarsal pulse as well as a femoral pulse because you can sometimes appreciate a difference in flow, especially in shock states. And I kind of talk about that a little bit in the study that there are certainly cats that won't have pedal pulses palpable and will have cold extremities, kind of the classic signs of shock, but the femoral pulses are still palpable and may feel okay. Um, and so seeing a difference in the, the difference between those two pulses and how they feel can give me some information about perfusion to the extremities. Excellent. So you looked at 102 cats that presented to the emergency service. And um, what did you guys measure specifically? And what did you guys end up finding? This was a prospective study. And we basically had a data collection sheet, which assessed all of the perfusion parameters. So heart rate, capillary refill time, but the main focus, and because we, we didn't report those in the study, but the main focus was on pulse palpation. So assessment of femoral pulses and the clinicians were asked to say if they were strong, moderate, I think I said weak or absent for each of the pulse categories. So femoral pulses and metatarsal pulses. And then the systolic blood pressure was measured by the Doppler technique. It could be measured either in a forelimb or a hindlimb. We didn't specify the site. So that could be a source of discrepancy between the cats. But the other th important note about our study is that the person filling out the data collection sheet wasn't actually blinded to the systolic blood pressure measurement. So that could potentially have introduced a little bit of bias, but the clinicians were unaware of what the study was looking at. So we really still feel like they were blinded to the goal and so there was no need for them to, you know, change their pulse quality assessment based on whatever the systolic blood pressure measurement was. I think ideally, if we could revise the study, we would have them fill out the pulse quality assessment first, then do the systolic blood pressure measurement second, just to make sure the data is a little bit cleaner. That said, as rare as prospective studies are in veterinary medicine, I think it's an awesome study because, you know, most of the time we're looking at stuff retrospectively. So I think that's fantastic. And so what did you guys find overall in terms of cats that didn't have palpable metatarsal or femoral pulses? So when we looked at, you know, the pulse quality assessment and the association with systolic blood pressure, we found that, hey, you know, we're pretty good when we feel like the pulse qualities are strong in either the femoral or the metatarsal pulses that usually reflected a normal systolic blood pressure. And then conversely, if the pulses were considered to be weak or absent, that generally reflected that the systolic blood pressure was low. Specifically, we did a receiver operating curve analysis on absent metatarsal pulses to see if that could detect hypotension. Because as I said earlier, anecdotally, the statement has been that if a cat or a dog doesn't have pedal pulses, that means their systolic blood pressure is less than 90. So we wanted to specifically investigate that. So we looked at all of the cats and we looked at the ability of absent metatarsal pulses to predict hypotension. 
And what we found is that it's, it's a good predictor and basically using a cutoff of about 75 millimeters mercury was pretty accurate. And so we could say that if a cat has absent metatarsal pulses, that they were very likely to have a blood pressure less than 75, so lower than that anecdotal statement of 90, which means there's gonna be some cats where you're gonna feel metatarsal pulses and they can still be hypotensive. So as much as I like to say, you know, the physical exam is the end all be all, I do still think, you know, a, a Doppler blood pressure measurement is very, very useful because we're not always right, right? So like you said, sometimes they're difficult to feel and, you know, it's, it's important to just confirm your suspicion with, a, you know, an accurate blood pressure measurement as well. But if they're absent, you can pretty confident that your cat is hypotensive, barring that they don't have an aortic thromboembolism. So we did exclude cats where we were suspicious of that disease process, because obviously that wasn't the goal of the study to look at. Okay, so great information. So if I can't feel a metatarsal pulse on a cat, it generally means that the blood pressure is less than 75 millimeters of mercury based on the statistics that you guys looked at. What about for femoral pulses? Did you guys specifically find when the absence of femoral pulses correlated with the specific blood pressure or not? We actually didn't have enough cats in the study that had absent femoral pulses. I think if I can remember, I think there are eight cats that had absent femoral pulses as well as absent metatarsal pulses. So I think the take home point from that is it's pretty rare for cats to lose a femoral pulse when they're hypotensive. It's probably because it's a bigger vessel, you know, it's more central compared to the pedal pulses. So that's why I tend to feel pedal pulses more because they'll lose their pedal pulses first before they lose a femoral pulse, if they even ever lose one. It's pretty rare in the hands of an experienced clinician that you can't find a femoral pulse. Great point. I always joke, if a vet student can feel a femoral pulse, that the cat is massively hypertensive in their bounding pulses. But, And are you guys going to look at this in dogs? I'm curious. And the only reason I say that is because, you know, I came from the same school of training as you, and I was taught the same thing. So if you can't feel the dorsal metatarsal, it means there are systolics less than 90. But when you actually look for the original reference, I don't think there's an original reference. So it's great to see evidence-based medicine that you're doing. Any potential studies that you guys are going to look at this for dogs presenting to the emergency services? Well, Justine, you're right on there. We have looked at it in dogs. And we've just been a little bit slower to get that written up. Actually, Dr. Ateka is the first author on that portion of the study. It's basically the exact same study, but we did it in dogs. And it's in revisions right now through JVAC. So um, she actually had to delay her revision because she was studying for the board exam. But that's coming out. I don't know. Am I allowed to give a preview? Sure. What I can tell you, what I can tell you from that study, again, it hasn't officially finished peer review yet. But what we found in that study is that dogs didn't lose their pedal pulses until their blood pressure was less than 55. So using pedal pulses to detect hypotension in dogs was probably not the best thing to do. It shouldn't replace a blood pressure measurement because they're going to have their pedal pulses for a long time before they lose it. And they have pretty severe hypotension before they disappear. 
and what's that? That's pending. That'll come out as well. Yeah, eventually. Maybe like five years from now. <laughs> and so for dogs in this preliminary publication, so they would lose their pedal pulses at a systolic of 55 millimeters of mercury? Yeah, it was also Doppler blood pressure. So yeah, it was, they didn't really lose them until their pressure dropped below 55. Yeah, correct. Okay. And just yeah, so it's, it was an insensitive predictor of hypotension, right? Because they're still going to have their pedal pulses and their blood pressure might be 70. So it's, it's not the best predictor of hypotension. But again, similar to the cat, if they don't have pedal pulses and you're suspicious that their perfusion is abnormal, and again, I should just caution, you know, you shouldn't use one tissue perfusion parameter to say, hey, they're in shock, done. So, you know, we use the pedal pulses in light of heart rate, capillary refill time, mucous membrane color. You have to look at the big picture of the patient. And if the pedal pulses fits with a picture of shock, and let's say in a dog or a cat, if they have absent pedal pulses, you can say with a lot of accuracy that, that they're hypotensive. If you went to measure systolic blood pressure, I would still say, ideally, this should never replace an accurate systolic blood pressure measurement because then you can use that blood pressure measurement as a resuscitation goal, which is a little bit more objective than these subjective, oh, the, the pulses feel better. It is nice to you know, aim for a number. And in people, it's been shown that, you know, pulse palpation is so subjective. And it used to be part of the ATLS guidelines, and they had similar kind of cutoffs. You know, if you feel a radial pulse, it means this, the blood pressure is at least this. Or if you feel a carotid pulse, it's greater than 80. So they've since removed those guidelines from human medicine because they found that they really aren't very accurate at predicting blood pressure. So I think you do have to keep in mind these are all very, very subjective things that we were doing. They were in the hands of relatively experienced ER clinicians, ECC residents, house officer, you know, faculty. And we see a lot of cases and so could depend on the user, right? The person palpating in their skill and experience to know how good it is as a test. But I think with time, any clinician can become really good at palpating pulses, especially if they get concurrent systolic blood pressure measurements, and then they can kind of compare how the pulse felt to them with the systolic blood pressure and come up with their own thoughts about how accurate it is. But I mean, you can see, like when the paper comes out, you can see there was a lot of overlap in our category. So they did overlap with each other. And there's, there's cases every now and then, like you said, you know, a hypertensive animal, you know, their pulses feel abnormal and they get characterized as weak. And then you find their blood pressure is 220. So it's not a perfect test. So it's interesting because even though, you know, that some of the references say, you know, if you can feel that dorsal metatarsal pulse, we assume the systolic's 90. It's actually half that <laughs> so in dogs, uh, which means yeah. they're massively hypotensive. So I guess the, the good thing is it teaches us physical exam is still important, but the patient has to be profoundly hypotensive, whether or not it's a cat or dog, before they lose that pedal pulse. I think that's a really good point that you're making, Justine. Absolutely. So they have to be very, very hypotensive, especially a dog, before they lose the pedal pulses in the hands of an experienced clinician. 
And so it's, it's scary, you know, you should be concerned if your patient doesn't have a pedal pulse. And that's again, why I recommend when I teach and to, to people I work with to feel both the pedal or metatarsal pulses and the femoral pulses, see if there's a difference in pulse quality. You know, when you're down there feeling the pedal pulses, you can feel how cold the extremities feel. And that also tells you, hey, the, they're vasoconstricted from, you know, an abnormality and perfusion. And so you put it all together and I think it's really informative. I, I rarely feel femoral pulses. And I mean, I do feel them, but I don't think they're as useful as the pedal. It's such a big vessel. They just don't, they're not going to disappear on you like the pedal as well, which is interesting. It is interesting. A lot of times when I'm watching people examine uh, dogs or cats, they oftentimes will be sculpting and palpating at the same time, which is good because they want to make sure it's synchronous. But we do once in a while get burned where that dog comes in and it's got a thrombus in one leg. And if you don't actually palpate both femoral pulses at the same time, you oftentimes will miss that. So yeah, that. awesome study. I just thought it was so neat to be able to see the myth or the quote that we keep on passing along validated or debunked in the study. So really excited to see the dog study come out too. Thank you so yeah, much. It was fun. Yeah. That was a fun study. I mean, like you said, it's like something that's been passed on and passed on and passed on. And, you know, I think, I think some of it is, you know, there's the validity in it. I do think pulse palpation is useful and, and we are pretty good at it. And so I think this, further tells us, yes, hey, we're good at physical exams. Don't throw your physical exam away. But at the same time, it's still useful to do a systolic blood pressure measurement because even when you feel pulses, they could still be hypotensive and you might be missing it. That's the crazy thing in veterinary medicine. We're always taught, you know, with pleural effusion, the lung sounds will be dull, or with pericardial effusion, the heart sounds will be dull. And the more I practice, the more I realize, no, actually, it, it's not always dull. <laughs> so, yeah. not always yeah. I agree. I agree. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do today's Vet Girl podcast. Fantastic information, and we can't wait to see it in print. <laughs>